everyone. Before we get started, we wanted to let you know about our venue consulting. We have broken up our offerings into four distinct needs, design, sales and client experience, marketing, and those all important SOPs. You can take advantage of one or all of these tricky spots for your venue. If you want to learn more and get a few more details, head on over to hustleandgather.com to see how we can work together and reach your venue goals. All right, let's get to today's show. I can't imagine living a life like that. Like there's definitely situations where I feel that way, where I know that I'm not being my authentic self, or I know that I'm just trying to eat the words and not say it to get through something. But I imagine that like living a whole life where you're just tamping down who you are. Yeah, but I think for a lot of people and probably like Dawn is that it's about survival. Welcome to Hustle and Gather, a podcast about inspiring the everyday entrepreneur to take the leap. I'm Courtney. And I'm Dana. And we're two sisters who have started multiple businesses together. And yes, it's as messy as you think. We know that starting a business isn't easy. I mean, we've done it four times. And on this show, we talk about the ups and downs of the hustle and the reward at the end of the journey. And we love helping small businesses succeed, whether that's through our venue consulting, speaking, team training. We love to motivate others to take the big leap. Or you could just use our misadventures to normalize the crazy that is being an entrepreneur because every entrepreneur makes mistakes. And we like to call those unsuccessful attempts around here. And we know it's just part of the process. And today we're talking just the two of us about last week's episode with Don Mamoni. Don is a speaker, identity coach, and consultant teaching audiences and clients how to reach their maximum potential and impact by discovering and embracing their true identity and supporting companies dedicated to safe spaces that support unapologetic authenticity. If you haven't heard last week's episode, make sure you go give it a listen. Okay, let's get started. I thought that was great and like such so powerful. I feel like there's so many things to talk about. Like, I know so many things, but I guess let's go to let's do, let's go to the business side first. Let's talk about some of the business stuff that they said. So one of the things that they said that I really loved was when they were talking about how they market their business, and it's really just to make their competitors irrelevant. Yeah, that they were so much themselves that it didn't matter what anyone else was. No, I don't think that's I don't think that's what they were saying. I think they were saying that what sets them so apart, like the Don and Emily are like these amazing photographers and that what the client wants from the competitors is irrelevant because they do it so much better. Like kind of use that example of like the bridal pictures, how Emily has used to be like a fashion model. And so like her ability to take a bridal photo is significantly better than anybody else. So when that client's looking at and saying like, oh, one of the things I want for my photographer is these amazing bridals, it's irrelevant what their competition can do because they know they can do it so much better. Yeah, I think I interpreted them saying that that it was more about embracing your story, like whatever it is that is so unique about you and your brand that it's irrelevant what anyone else does. For example, they were saying their brand and story was wrapped around their experience in the corporate world and her experience in the bridal Mm -hmm. world. And that was the message. So there was no competition for that. Right. Right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I I liked the thought of that, that. Well, when they said it, it sounded kind of snarky. You know, like, oh, yeah, you know, make your their competitors are irrelevant. But at the same time, it's, you know, listening to them talk about it. It's not that it was snarky. I think it's just that there was confidence and that what you have is the better product. And I think leaning into your story and your niche so hard that it's 
just uniquely you. Like, I, I'm sure that there was not going to be another photographer situation where you're going to get an past fashion model and a corporate planner right. to come and take pictures of your either social event or corporate event. Like, mm -hmm. that's a very unique combination. So I think they leaned into that story to obliterate their mm -hmm. competition because there is no competition for that. Right. Which I think sometimes, like, is empowering for me and us. Well, I'm sure there are other sister entrepreneurs. There's probably not a very specific sister partnership entrepreneur in the events industry that owns a planning company and a venue together. Mm -hmm. You know, like, it's very a, a very unique brand. So, like, when we're pitching ourselves for speaking or talking about team training or whatnot that I feel very confident in the fact that there isn't a lot of competition if they're looking for exactly what we have. Yeah. And I kind of segues a little bit onto what Don was talking about when they were afraid of coming out and what it would do to their business. Yeah. And what they found was that it really didn't affect their business very much because people found that they loved seeing authentically who they were. And it makes me think about times when we've tried to be authentic and we've gotten a little bit of pushback. And it's I like, know. And I think it actually piggies back to something else that Don said that confused people always say no. And when I think back on the moments where I've gotten some backlash and normally had to do with like us putting something on social media, like being sarcastic or being funny, it's when we got the pushback because I think we confuse people because yeah. I think we present this very polished very put together <laughs> life that is not authentically who we are at all. Like mm -hmm. I remember the first time I had, I was with somebody, I can't remember who it was. It was like a nice buddy. And I was just telling a story and there's a few F words here and there. And she's just like, I didn't think you ever swore. And I was like, have you never spent time with me? <laughs> like I have to temper my, my language at the office. Cause I got in trouble one time by Courtney from saying fuck too much. Like <laughs> the intern there, like, yeah, and it just made me realize that I, I'm not, like, loose or comfortable around people often because, I don't know, I feel like I have to present this very polished, put-together thing. So yeah, then when we, I, when we deviate from it, people are like, what is this? This isn't you. This isn't who you are. I'm like, you don't know anything about me. Well, I think that that's what we've been taught, right? Like, yeah. that's what we've been taught is how you should conduct yourself as a businesswoman, and that's how you should – you know, conduct your business affairs. And in those realms, you're known as business owner Dana, right? Mm -hmm. So I think, I think that everyone tends to put on a persona. That's, that's what you've been taught. So that's how, that's how we've been taught to act. And you act a certain way in certain realms, like business owner Dana, at home Dana, going out Dana, right? college friend Dana, mm -hmm. you know, right. all of those things. And I think what's so refreshing about Don is watching them marry and enviable, honestly, mm -hmm. watching them marry all of those bubbles together. Yes. We're like, oh, spouse Don and business owner Don and speaker Don and trainer Don and all of those things are the same Don. Yeah. No, I think that's super neat. Yeah. I think it's, and I think that that's honestly, it makes them so brave. Mm-hmm. But they also speak about the freedom associated with that. Mm -hmm. Like, how free must it feel to just be? When they're talking about what's in your box that you are trying to hide, that you have this very precious thing, and, it, and then the box is made of very thin glass, and you walk around protecting this thing because 
you're convinced that if you were to break it, that all hell would break loose around it. And that, and there's so much energy put into that, that you can never even be anything other than the protector of this box. Like you can't right. even be joyful maybe, or you can't even reach the full potential of who you are because all of your energy is spent on protecting this box. And when they do coaching, they encourage people to look at it and say, what is in your box? Why is it there? Is it something that can be smashed there or whatnot? And so I, I thought that was a really powerful visual because I think that there is a lot of us that walk around with that, you know, and it made me think about like, what, what, am, what am I keeping in that box? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think for me, possibly the box, some of the things in the box change from day to day. Cause I think that there's definitely times that I want people to think that I have it more together than I do, mm-hmm. you know, and some of those things that pertain to not having it together maybe stay in those boxes. And also, I think sometimes there's shit in your box that you don't even want to face yourself. Like, you don't even want to acknowledge that. But I think I think that is part of what they were saying. So what is that? You don't even know what it is? No. I mean, some days I know what it is. But I, I remember last summer I went to a yoga retreat and did, like, a Dharma thing or whatnot. And one of the things that came up a lot, and I still fight um, fight with this, was the idea that I'm, like, too much, that I tamp down my personality Mm -hmm. to fit certain situations and certain engagements or whatnot, that I'm not fully myself. And I I do hold back a lot. Like, I do filter my words and hold back. And But life keeps telling me over and over again that that's what I have to do to keep moving forward. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm trained to do that because life rewards that. And sometimes when you, for me, like when I am maybe like my authentic self and I may be like on the edge of reasonableness, I don't know, or get alongness or not get alongness, more like socially acceptable, but I may be truly myself is when your hand gets slapped and you're like, oh, no, you're not supposed to do that. What's an example of that? I don't know. Like sometimes with my sarcasm or sometimes with my big ideas or Sometimes with my verbal processing. I, I think you tamp down a lot for sure because I know you. I don't see the same reactions that you see. I think a lot of times like your sarcasm is is just misunderstood. Like it's like ill timing or <laughs> something like that. Like it's just – and like I know when I'm with you in this, this – I'm like, oh, she actually meant – she's trying to say this. She's trying to be funny or whatever. Like mm-hmm. – you know, but it's not that someone can't accept it. You know, I think I personally think that you're so good at tamping down what you feel and you're so thoughtful about the words that you say and how you say them and how it's going to land because that's how you live your life every single day. Like that's just like like a habit that you have formed due to like the life that you maybe not chose, but <laughs> the life that you have. The life you, that I have. You know, and I think that's more of what it is. And so to me, when I think about, you know, for you, when I think about, okay, living authentically who you are, and when you don't have to continually filter your words, you don't have to continually think about, is this going to upset somebody? Am I going to be a burden on somebody or whatever? Like, who would you be? Yeah, I don't know who I'd be. I think I'd be, I think I am a bigger person than the box that I try to take up. Mm-hmm. I do think that, but... Life doesn't always afford you those opportunities, or maybe it's not time for that. Maybe. Maybe. What's in your box? 
I don't know. I th- I think I struggle. I've, I mean, I have the same struggles I've always had. I've talked about on the podcast is just the need to overachieve because I just always feel like I'm trying to prove myself. And mm-hmm. I think that honestly, if I was to look at it, like I, I think it's a narrative that I've been told my whole life and it's what I have believed about myself, but it's not actually who I am, you know? Yeah. Like there's a lot of times I feel like I'm okay. Like I'm good enough, you know, like, <laughs> But I don't know, I continue to move in the path of like trying to prove myself, maybe that I I need outside affirmation. I can't I can't imagine having something so large as like I don't identify as my gender. That's like kind of like constantly in the background. Like I know when I like when we're having trouble or if I'm having a hard time or if like I'm trying to preserve a relationship or words or I'm just trying to like reframe what it is that I'm trying to say or I'm in an uncomfortable situation you know like that feeling of like you're like swallowing words and it's like just something sitting on your chest and you're just trying to tamp it down like you're Mm -hmm. just trying to have it not bubble up have you ever had that feeling Mm -hmm. I can't imagine living a life like that like there's definitely situations where I feel that way, where I know that I'm not being my authentic self, or I know that I'm just trying to eat the words and not say it to get through something. Right. But I imagine that like living a whole life where you're just tamping down who you are. Yeah, but I think for a lot of people and probably like Dawn is that it's about survival. Mm-hmm. The, yeah. The difference is, is that when you're trying to tamp down a conversation with somebody or an emotion, it's, you know, it's fleeting, you know, there's an end to it. Yeah. And it's normally in a situation with somebody that's going to, you're going to get to the other side of it. But I feel like something like that, where you're not even sure how they're going to take it or where it's going to go or how you're going to be accepted. Yeah. And especially the, I mean, growing up in the early 2000s, I mean, we all watched Friends. Mm -hmm. I mean, they were, there was nothing like accepting about that group of people and I love that show but there's nothing accepting about it I mean you just there's this whole thing about they always make jokes about people being gay because like their hand made a certain movement or something you Mm -hmm. know what I mean like there's all of that and like so you're constantly told that this isn't going to be accepted into the world so right but that's But that's what everyone's told is like everyone you're taught to and I and I think things are changing, but you're taught to kind of be this social norm. Like you have to I you have to examine every little movement, like a flick yeah, of a wrist or the way you look or how you dress or how your haircut right. is or what you wear or how you sound. I know, but I don't feel that way now as much. Like yeah. I don't feel like I, I think I personally feel like you have there's more pressure to be on the right side of history yeah. than anything else. Like there's no middle of the road. There's no middle anymore. There's no middle ground. It's just one or it's the other. And I think that's where it gets really hard. But I do, I do love that image of having something that's so fragile in a glass box that you're just constantly trying to protect. Right. And what they said is how much energy basically created an identity prison and that they brought their wife into it and Mm -hmm. she had to live in that prison with them. And yeah. At the time, they didn't realize it, and they cannot recognize it. But, and I, I think that and I, I don't, I don't think I've ever experienced an identity prison. I think, I mean, the closest I've ever gotten to feeling that way is probably just, you know, anytime I'm 
have to interact with like my in-law family, <laughs> like back to the in-laws <laughs> where I just can't ever be myself. Mm-hmm. I just can't. Yeah. And I've been told that over and over and over again. And, and it's, but it doesn't feel like a prison cause it's fleeting. Cause I can escape it yeah. in a couple hours, you know, mm-hmm. but it still feels, makes me cagey. Right. I definitely felt that way for sure. Where I've been in a situation that I like didn't identify with or I didn't want to be with. I mean, I, I feel that way now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel that way now in my life. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily like in business, although I do sometimes think that there's pressure to be something in business that maybe I'm not or whatnot. I think I've had some identity crisis in, in business. Like, God, well, what am I contributing to the bottom line here? Like, where where is my strength? Where Where are my takeaways and my tangible, tangible things. But I've definitely felt like I've stayed in situations because that's what society expected me to, mm-hmm. or because that was the norm, or that is what I expected of myself. Right. Right. And I, I don't know. I think that I, I've heard Don's story about how they came out to their wife and how they didn't have the expectation of her staying. Mm-hmm. Like, this was their journey and mm. not her journey, and they recognize that. And that's a beautiful story. I'm sure it is somewhere for you to listen to. Mm-hmm. But it was just this amazing power of relationship. And then I think, how amazing would it be to be in front of somebody just like that? Like, this is exactly where I'm at. Mm-hmm. And then, like, accept you completely. Mm-hmm. You're getting all emotional over there about it. Because I think very there's probably mm-hmm. very few people, mm-hmm. very few people that have really experienced that. Mm-hmm. Like fully in life, you mean? Like fully in life, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you never experience it. Right. Like you're just brass tacks. This is who I am. Take right. it or leave it. I don't have this expectation of mm-hmm. our relationship moving forward. But I still have to do this for myself. Right. Can you accept it? Right. And then to have somebody say, we're going to walk this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to walk this with you. Mm-hmm. Like how freeing would that be? Yeah. I mean, freeing and I think validating. Yeah. Validating. Like yeah. knowing that you're on the that you're on a path that someone's going to be your yeah. buddy on. I think that about like when I, when I hear Don's story, it makes me think about my kids mm. and that I want to be that for them. Mm-hmm. You know, that no matter what they decide or that they feel like they can just really be themselves, like without judgment sure. around me. Cause I, I, don't think I'm an overly or particularly judgmental person. I want them to have the life that they want to live conventionally or unconventionally or whatever. But I think how powerful is that that their child witnesses that mm-hmm. too? Just the very few people to me right. that I've met that are as well-spoken yeah. as Dawn so they can put this experience into words mm-hmm. while also living it. Yeah. Well, I think I, I saw this the other day and someone said like, you know, if your kid comes to you with something and you, and it's heavy, whether it's they are coming out or whether they are changing the trajectory of your life and your response is, I'm going to love you in spite of this. Like people always think that's like the right thing to say. And it's not, I'm going to love you in spite of it. I love you because of this. Mm-hmm. I felt those goosebumps because that's what she was saying to them. It's not that I'm going to love you in spite of this. Mm-hmm. But you're my person. Like, I love you because of this. Right. 
you know, which I think is a very small but powerful distinction. Yeah. And what they described as unconditional love. One of the things that they said was love yourself unconditionally, live your life unapologetically, Mm -hmm. like as their motto. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think is so powerful. It is so powerful. But I mean, I think that you have the ability to do that. Like I, I think that for you and I, you know, and I think the reason why you get emotional about it is because I, I do think you've been, and you've said this, you mentioned on the podcast is you've, you've had a life where you felt like you're only useful to somebody else. Like it's never about you. It's always, what can you do to move the team forward? What can you do to make the family successful? Like, how can you, like, it's this, like, you're literally just a tool Mm -hmm. to everybody else around you. And that there's never been someone that paused and said, who are you? What do you want? Where do you want to go? How would you like to move this ship forward? And how can I do that for you? Like, how can I help you achieve that and get there? And I think that is an emotionally exhausting place to be in. Yeah. <laughs> I do. I mean, I think I, I just, I don't know. I, I think that you're stronger than you think that, that you are. And I think that you're a great parent and your kids are very much unapologetically who they are. <laughs> That's true. Like, not in a negative way. Yeah. But they are, and it's because they have that freedom with you. They have the ability to be real and to be true and to know that they can come to you for anything and know that they're going to be loved and validated and accepted and cheered on and all that stuff. So wherever, whatever your life has led you, I mean, that's the one thing that is true about you. I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. So I think I'm going to work on the love yourself unconditionally. Yeah, you should. You should. So what does that look like to you? Loving myself unconditionally. Yeah. I think you have the live your life unapologetically pretty well in hand. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. I think I think love myself unconditionally is to just give myself grace. I think I, I've always struggled with, with like how I look and like, my health and all that stuff. Like I've always, always felt like I try so hard to obtain something that is just not going to happen. And I used to joke as a teenager when I was a size six, but that was big to everybody around me mm-hmm. that, oh, like my skeleton is like a size six. Cause I was a very thin person. Like I never was like a heavy person at all. But I don't know if it's growing up in the 90s, early 2000s. It was rough. And it's like that heroin look that was supposed to be cool. I don't know if it was low-rise jeans it was that rough. were like not possible to look good on anybody. I don't really know. But there is definitely like a mental psyche that like made, made me be so hard on myself, mm-hmm. you know. And, and I've tried to reframe my thinking as to – why am I doing these things? Why am I eating a salad for lunch? Is it because I'm trying to get to number on a scale or is it because I feel good or is it because, man, I got some amazing blood work back and I did get amazing blood work back. Like yeah, you, did. you look at what I was a year, a year and a half ago to now, like everything's green. Mm-hmm. Everything is green. And I've never been that healthy. And there was something, and I don't weigh any different than I did a year and a half ago. Yeah. But like my body is actually like, Hey, like you're going to live a little bit longer <laughs> because you're not literally putting shit in your body. Like, yeah. And so there was something really powerful for me in that moment, recognizing that 
literally the makeup of who I am is improving, even though it doesn't physically look like it's improving. Yeah. You know, and, and being happy about that, you know. So I think there's that. I think it's giving myself the the grace. And I've been trying that like this summer. I haven't been on time to work like one day this That's summer. <laughs> like, And I felt really bad about it. But I was like, you know what? I never sleep in. The summer we get to sleep in and it's lazy mornings. I get to have breakfast with Sam. It's not rushed. And it's okay. I mean, I sh- you only punch your own time clock. I know that, but like it is. But it, you literally came in the other morning. You're like, I'm sorry that I'm late. And I'm like, late to who? Like who well, are you reporting to? Meeting. I mean, there is actually things going on. Yeah. Clock. But no, but I mean, I think it's more of like, I had this persona about myself that I have to wear this badge of honor that like I get in the office at 830 and I do this and I'm always put together and I can get my kids here and I can pack my lunch and I can do all these things that, oh, look at me. I am this amazing person because I think I'm trying to convince myself that I am an amazing person. Yeah. Do you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think you're pretty amazing. Well, I'm just saying, like, I just think it, like, let it all go. Like, who cares? Like, does getting to the office bring me joy? And it actually does. I do like getting to the office early when the kids are in school. I feel like I get a lot done in that hour. But does making my lunch every week bring me joy? No, it does not. Like, other than the fact that, like, it makes me eat better, you know? But so it's like thinking back of, like, okay, why am I doing this? Is it something because it's actually serving me? Mm -hmm. Or is it because I'm trying to be something to somebody to the mythical world (laughs) that you're really not because our girls could give two shits about whether I'm there in the mornings or whether I pack my lunch every single day or oh yeah I don't think they care about the packing lunch or getting there in the morning no yeah yeah I I feel the same way I mean Mm. so what are you going to do to love yourself unconditionally I just feel like I'm in like that like state of grind right now mm-hmm. just with like the house building and work and all of that so it's just more or less not procrastinating and getting shit done so when I do have time to relax I can relax because mm-hmm. I'll tend to get like overwhelmed which leads to like more procrastination which leads to more overwhelm it's like this very vicious cycle so more or less that just let it go you need to let go to 80% of what's in your life 80% 80% of it you let it go <laughs> okay you do. You need to let go of having to be the one who had to go to the grocery store. You need to let go. I say, you say that, but Mikhail did do grocery shopping a few weeks ago. He spent fucking $600 on groceries yeah. in one week. No, we haven't had to go grocery shopping for a couple of weeks. I think it lasted maybe like two, two and a That's half weeks. So it wasn't bad. But at the same time, it was significantly more mm-hmm. than when I go grocery shopping. I'm just saying you let it go. Yeah. You let go. You let go of a lot of things that that don't serve you that you don't need to do. Yeah. Obviously, we all do things that don't serve us that we have. That to you do. have to do. Yeah. Like you don't have to do everything you tell yourself you need to do. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I had a weekend without or a day without kids. Mikhail took the kids somewhere Saturday and got back Sunday. And I spent the more, I was like, I'm going to put the timer on. I'm willing to spend an hour of cleaning and getting stuff done. Because, like, my first inclination is always to, like, sure. I'm going to deep clean and scrub these things up. So I put the timer on for an hour. And I got the house to where I was like, all right, I can, like, <clears throat> exhale. I then took a nap. I was like, oh, I'm tired. I'm going to take a nap. And then I reached out to Dana. I went over to your house and just swam in the pool and had some drinks and played games. And then I got up the next morning. I didn't do any more cleaning. I did mm-hmm. do a load of laundry. To finish the laundry 
And then I went to the mall and just walked around by myself. I got a margarita by myself. I bought nothing productive. I bought a bath bomb and like a face mask from Lush. Huh. And I felt like that was like unconditionally loving myself. It is. Yeah. So this is what I need. Yeah. Just going to go. Mm-hmm. Not do what I have to do, but mm-hmm. this is what I want to do. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, what I loved about their story and it's what I love about meeting people in general is that the connection you make with somebody and it's so funny because me and Sam literally were just talking about like the like trans community in general the other day and how we just didn't, I didn't know a lot about it and it wasn't and we're, and I feel like there's so many things going on in the world. Like you have, you know you know, pro-choice going on, like fighting against that. You have gun violence. You have... Like you could pick any cause. Like racism all stuff. And that just hasn't been on yeah. a radar of mine. I'm like, oh, I need to fight for this other than the don't say gay bill is infuriating to listen to. But what I love about it is when you meet somebody and so... And having these this really like powerful conversation with Don makes you realize not only that is it that you have to pick one specific thing, but it's all interconnected Mm -hmm. like it's all just one thing right and it was their statement about saying the problem comes in when somebody tells them that they can't exist right and I feel that like it's true you talk about pro-choice you're telling me like I can't exist and how I feel right like as a body autonomous person right yeah you're telling kids who are getting massacred in schools that they can't exist yeah right? It's, it's all the same thing. You're really just fighting the same battle. It's yeah. not just, you know, I'm going to go picket these different things. It's, it's really all the same. And it just kind of hit me hard that I'm like, wow. But I think it goes back to their point is one of the favorite statements that they made was a confused mind always says no. Mm. And I think why does society rail against these things? Mm-hmm. Like, why is this why are these things such issues? Why is it an issue? Because why would someone's existence threaten your existence? Mm-hmm. Why? Why? That's a valid question. I think that there is a lot of confusion, and I think some of that confusion is just natural confusion. Like, it's what I don't know, so I don't understand it. But then also I think that there's confusion that happens purposefully. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to understand it. It makes me uncomfortable that I think the stance that people take. And I think that the reason we need to have like conversations around it and the reason that there needs to be more discourse and why I think Don's work is so powerful for not just non-binary community, but all of the communities is that it demystifies the the confusion. Like there's like even his concise way of explaining gender identity and the gender that you identify with, the the gender that you express. Right. Your sexuality, mm-hmm. the gender, your anatomy, your, your anatomy yeah. right? Like it kind of dispels a lot of the confusion, mm-hmm. and which I think leads to more acceptance and mm-hmm. understanding. Mm-hmm. And I think you're always going to have those people who don't want to accept and don't want to understand because I think it's they they don't want to take the time and the energy and the effort to understand, mm-hmm. like to not be confused anymore. Don is amazing. They are an amazing human. So please reach out to them if you need a mentor, need some guidance, need a great speaker. Have a question. They are fantastic. They are fantastic. (laughs) 
Thanks, everyone, for gathering us today to talk about the hustle. For our episode with Dawn, we are drinking a tequila soda. We hope you get the chance to make it this week, and cheers to being authentically you. To learn more and connect with Dawn, you can visit them on Instagram at Dawn Mamoni or visit their website, DawnMamoni.com. To learn more about our hustles, visit us on the gram at CD Events at the Bradford and C at Anthem.house and at Hustle and Gather. If you're interested in learning more about our speaking, training, or venue consulting, head to our website, hustleandgather.com. Also, if you love us and you love this show, we would be more than honored if you left us a rating and a review. This podcast is a production of Earfluence. I'm Dana. And I'm Courtney. And we'll talk to you next time on Hustle and Gather.